Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. We hope and pray the following message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. I share with you a passage of scripture from John chapter 10. These are the words of Jesus. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. I want to speak today in light of a very difficult week. I don't know that I preached just a sermon on eternal life, but that would be the title of this exhortation today. My sheep, they hear my voice. He said, I know them. They follow me. And I give unto them, my sheep, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. You may be seated. On Tuesday, we buried an incredible man of God, Brother Dewey Kales. On Friday, Barb Sanders' brother, Ken Pierce, passed away a few days ago and I spoke at his funeral on Friday. A week ago today at 2.12 in the afternoon, our beloved Dave Sudlow passed away and that evening at 8.30, I was in the home of Don Call when he passed. Brother Manuel, I know this has been a difficult time for you to lose your father-in-law and your brother the same season. And then on Thursday at 1041, I was in her room when she made her exit to a better place, Sister Sharon Sudlow. So with all of that, In mind, I take you back to our text in the Amplified Bible. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they will never ever by any means perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Praise God, eternal life. It would be a mistake on this Sunday morning to view eternal life as simply an unending progression of days and weeks and months. As a matter of fact, the Greek word for eternal in our text carries with it the idea of quality and quantity. Eternal life 
is not associated with your calendar in as much as it functions within time. It is functioning, yet it is independent of time. Eternal life functions outside of time and within time at the same time. When we talk about eternal life, it's not minutes and seconds and moments that accumulate. It's another world. Eternal life is another world. We try to compare it with what we deal with on this earth, and that is our 70 years allotted. We have everything that we do governed by clocks and time and this and that and the other here on earth. But when we talk about eternal life, eternal life is not governed by the watch on your wrist or the clock on the wall. Eternal life starts now and it's forevermore. That's why Jesus said in John chapter six and verse 47, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. So when the word of God speaks of eternal life, in reality, it is referring to the gift of God. And the gift of God comes through your faith in Jesus Christ and notwithstanding eternal life comes through your obedience to his word, to the word of God. When you have the gift of God, the beauty of having the gift of God is you are free from sin. Jesus said to the woman at the well who had many husbands and many sinful things that she was dealing with, and Jesus said to her, give me to drink. And she said, how is it that you being a Jew would ask me a Samaritan to give you to drink? We have no dealings one with the other. And then Jesus made this statement. If you only knew the gift of God and who it is that you're talking to, I would not be asking you for water. You would be asking me for water. Because the water that you give me, I will drink it and I will thirst again. But the water that I would give to you would be in you a well of living water where you would never thirst again. It's called the gift of God. It's called eternal life. When you have the gift of God, you become a servant of the Most High. When you have the gift of God, you possess the fruit of the spirit of holiness. When you have the gift of God, you walk in eternal life. And those four statements are revealed in what Paul wrote to the Roman church in chapter six, verse 22 and 23. But now being made free from sin, hallelujah, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. And then he explains it in verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So according to this passage, the gift of eternal life is in contrast to this thing called death. Death is the natural result of sin because of Adam and Eve's failures and because they fell in the Garden of Eden, they crippled the human race and they put around our neck this thing called death, natural death because of Adam and Eve's transgression 6,000 years ago. So we know from that time until now that the wages of sin because of Adam and Eve, because of the Adamic nature, because of the fallen nature of man, the wages of sin is death. But Jesus did not stop there. He said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a little clear when we go to the story of Lazarus, the friend of Jesus that died and the Lord tarried for four days and was a little bit late getting there. And we find him in a conversation with Martha, Lazarus' sister, and John recorded this conversation and it went like this in chapter 11 and verse 24. Martha said unto Jesus, I know that Lazarus will rise again. I understand that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus interrupts her and says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Hallelujah. We buried Brother Kales on Tuesday, and I'll use him as our example today. We buried him. He was a believer. He told me on Tuesday morning before he passed on Tuesday evening, then his funeral was a week later. He said to me, I'm ready to go. What he was saying is, I believe the word of God. I believe that even though I may die, I'm going to live again. The next verse 26 says, these are the words of Jesus to Martha, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he asked the all important question that's relevant for us today. And I asked the ministers in our prayer meeting and our board members in our prayer meeting before church today, I asked them, uh, just a few moments ago, do you believe this? Jesus said to Martha, believeth thou this? It's relevant today. And I'm happy to announce that every one of our ministers and board members that was in the prayer meeting agreed that they believed that whoever liveth in him and believeth in him will never die. We believe that. I shared this statement with you last Sunday from an author that is unknown and it goes like this. If you are only born once, you will die twice. But if you're born twice, you will only die once. Lord have mercy. Can I read that for you again? If you're only born once, you're going to die twice. But if you're born twice, you're only gonna die once. We understand, according to Paul's writings to the Hebrew church in 927, 
And as it is appointed unto men once to die, and then we all face judgment. After this, the judgment. And then it's after that judgment that we will either live forever with him or we will face the second death. Each person in this house of worship this morning has an appointment to die. Unless we live until the rapture of the bride of Christ, we all have an appointment with death. And after death, there is the great white throne of judgment. And we must talk about this today. We must talk about the great white throne of judgment. We must talk about this statement made by an unknown author that if you're only born once, you're gonna die twice. But if you die twice, you're born twice, then you're only going to die once. At the great white throne of judgment, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Every knee is going to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. When we get to the great white throne of judgment, and this is after death, this is after the rapture, this is after the millennium, it's when we stand before him, it's going to be about the sheep and the goats. And when I say goat, I'm not talking about the greatest of all times. I'm talking about those who did not follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be about the sheep and the goat, the goats, if you please. The sheep, his sheep, those who are born again will walk out of the great white throne of judgment. We will go to the right and we will live with Jesus Christ forever. So when you are born twice, when you are born physically and then you're born again of the water and the spirit, you will not face the second death. You will be called the sheep that go to the right with the shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are among the number in that day that were born once, they will be judged by God and will be led away to the left to a second death. The second death where the fire is not quenched. Suffice it to say, the sheep will go to the right. The goats will go to the left. It's a choice today. That's why I read to you from John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I will give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. So when the word of God refers to the first birth, it's referring to your physical earthly birth. When the Holy Writ talks about a second birth, it's referring to your spiritual birth as recorded in John chapter three. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that doth except, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit at the great white throne of judgment, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, it's flesh. But that which is born of the spirit, it is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth and you hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. I read that to say this, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. I transition to share with you this thought. The times we live in today reveal just how out of step our world is with the will of God and the word of God. The only solution, ladies and gentlemen, on this Sunday morning, the only solution for this messed up world, the only answer for a world that's in chaos, the only resolution for the lost and dying generation, according to the word of God, the only hope for man is to be born again of the water and of the spirit. When you are born again, and when you walk in the gift of eternal life, the Lord Jesus Christ empowers you to have authority over the spirit of the age. He gives you power over the spirit of this world. He gives you authority over your flesh and your carnality. He gives you authority over the adversary himself. And that's why I come to this pulpit today on this Sunday and talk to you about eternal life. There is hope in this house of worship this morning. It was Titus chapter one and verse two. Simply put, in a hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world even began. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world even began. That's why Paul penned these words in 1 Corinthians 15, if in this life only we have a hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now, thank God, Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 
How many wants his spirit today? How many wants eternal life today? How many wants to live forever with Jesus? How many wants to go to the right on the great white throne of judgment into eternal life with him where you'll never face the second death? That's why Paul wrote in Romans 8 and 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, if it dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Be born again. Let the spirit dwell inside of you. It's resurrection power. It's rapture power. It's eternal life. It's the blessing of God forever and forever. James asked the question, what? Know ye not? Hallelujah. Know ye not what shall be on the morrow? For what is your life here on this earth? Legitimate question. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. My brother sent me this week five pictures of a story I wrote about myself when I was 12 years old. He said somehow mother mixed this up in my things and I'm gonna mail it to you. There it was, a picture of me at age 12, hair, black hair, <laughs> plenty of hair, 12 years old. Next slide, it started out, my name is Gary A. Keller. I'm the son of Everett A. Keller and Faith Keller. I have a sister, Hope, and a brother, Mike. This is before Nathan was even born. And I went through my life, it's a story of my life, 12 years of my life. And it seemed like I'd been alive forever. 12, I was 12. I was just a few months away from being a teenager. But can I tell you, I am 68 years old today. And 56 years later, Life is a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanisheth away. Think about it. Think about how fast life goes by. That's why the wise man said in Proverbs 27 and 1, do not boast about tomorrow because we don't know what a day will bring forth parts of a scripture that I will extract from 1 Samuel 20 and 3, David said, as surely as the Lord liveth and as you live, he goes on to say, there is only a step between me and death. Can I preach to somebody today that eternal life, the beauty of having eternal life is when you take that step that's between you and death. You have to go by the decimal point between time and eternity. And the decimal point between time and eternity is Jesus Christ. So when you take your last breath here, 
you take your first breath there and he's going to be with you. It's called eternal life. You have it now. If you've been born again, if you're a believer, you shall never die. Oh, that someone would grasp what this is all about. I wish we could come into focus today once again and understand what the church is all about. It's not about a building. It's not about Sunday school. It's not about a preacher. It's not about this, that, and the other. The entire essence of the church is to get everybody ready for eternal life so we can live with him forever. Forever. We're gonna live forever. We're gonna live forever. The question you have to ask yourself, will I be born twice or will I die twice? That's the question. And I will just tell you in closing, hallelujah, that Jesus Christ is coming back. You better keep your eye on the eastern horizon because Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. He was asked the question, when? He said wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, famine, all those things. I don't know one thing that needs to be fulfilled. He's coming back. Hallelujah. Oh, this is, I'll just say it. This is the rapture generation. I believe that the majority of the people in this room will be alive when Jesus Christ comes back. Hallelujah. I believe that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Ah, they're going to come out of that grave. Can't no grave hold this body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm going to come up out of the ground. Ain't no grave going to hold this body down. I've got eternal life today. Hallelujah, the dead in Christ are gonna rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's eternal life. When you die born again, you ain't dying a second time. Amen. You see, if you work somewhere and you work for 50 years and that's your office, for 50 years that was your office. And when you retire, they give you a nice watch so you can watch <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know why they give you a watch. Your days are numbered. I don't have a clue why they give you a watch. But then they may even put a plaque on the door of your office that says, John Doe worked here for 50 years and this was his office. But a few years go by and you make your way to wherever you're going in eternity and somebody else comes along to that office and says, who was John Doe? I have no clue. Five 
five decades you worked in that office and somebody has the audacity to say, why don't we remove that since nobody knows who he was? And a screwdriver comes off and the screws come out and the plaque is taken down and it's set aside and eventually it's thrown into the trash and it's over. But not in the church. You see, the old Pullman train from years ago had what was called the day coach. That's where we're at. It also had what was called the night coach. And when it was time to go to sleep, they would take people back, open the door for them. People would go in to the sleeping compartment and they would fall asleep until the next morning. Same engineer, same train, going in the same direction, going at the same speed, got the same conductor, got the same motor pulling both cars. And I say this to say that when you die in the church, we don't put a plaque on a door and act as if you're not a part of this because it's called eternal life. We just simply put you in a hope chest and we take you from the day car and put you back in the night car. But you're still with us. SR Hamby is still with us. RG Cook is still with us. The 330 people I buried in 27 years, they're still on the train. They're not in the day coach, but they're going to heaven with us. They're just right back there in the night coach. And when we pull in to the portals of glory, the conductor's gonna go back and he's gonna wake up everybody in the night coach. And we which are alive in the day coach, we're coming off together because you never die. We never leave you. You're on your way to heaven. Get born again, get eternal life and go with us to heaven. Come on, somebody clap your hands. We've got eternal life. It's the gift of God that never wavers. Get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready. He's coming. First Thessalonians 5. I'm almost finished, but don't come yet. First Thessalonians 5. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you don't even have a reason why I should even be writing this unto you. You have no need that I write unto you because you know perfectly well that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. We don't need anybody to preach this sermon today because we know, just look around at this world. We know that the thief cometh in the night. And when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, church, ecclesia, 
called out, born again, eternal life people. Ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Why are we not in darkness? Because Jesus prepared us for this very moment. He prepared us in Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 22, reading through verse 32. Jesus said unto his disciples, the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and ye shall not see it. They will say to you, see here or see there, go not after them nor follow them. Why? For as the lightning that lighteneth out of one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, that's us. They drank, they married, they were given in marriage, they divorced until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day of the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. He that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. I'm telling you, the scripture tells us what to look for and everything we see right here in that passage of scripture is happening right now. As it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, we are facing the exact same spirit that was in the world in that day. And Jesus said, when that spirit comes around, get ready, I'm coming back and I'm gonna rapture my church out of this world and you will be with me forever because I gave to you eternal eternal life, eternal life. So it was appointed in Hebrews chapter nine, as I read a few moments ago, it's appointed unto men once to die. And after that, judgment. The next verse, so, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look, Woo. For him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. What are you doing, preacher? I'm looking for him. Every morning when I get up, I'm surprised that he hasn't come. Maybe he'll be here by noon. Maybe the rapture will take place by evening. It's another day. We heard it a lot when I was a kid. Every Sunday night, we heard about the second coming of the Lord, and I believed it. And can I tell you, all these years later, I still believe it and even more. He is coming back. He said, hallelujah, for Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, that's all of us, on Calvary, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And Paul said to a young preacher by the name of Timothy, henceforth, 
there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Whoo. For the grace of God in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Why? Why should I live soberly? Why should I live righteously? Why should I live holy and godly in this present world? It's explained in verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul said, unto them that look for him, he shall appear the second time. He wrote that to the Hebrews. To Timothy he said, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. The righteous judge is gonna give it to me in that day. But Timothy, not just to me, he's gonna give it to you if you love his appearing. Titus said we're looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then Peter brings us back into reality for the day that we're living in right now and what we all have to deal with is now. And let's get our priorities right and let's get our thoughts right and let's get our understanding right. Because Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7 that the trial of your faith I don't know where you've been lately, but I've fought a few trials of my faith. And I'm sure that you have too. The trial of your faith. And then he called it something different. Being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and glory, honor and glory at where the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that tells me in that one scripture, I'm gonna have trials. You're gonna have trials. We're gonna have tests, we're gonna have tribulations, we're gonna have heartache, we're gonna have pain, we're gonna go through things. We're gonna face things like this church has faced this week. We're, we're gonna go through it. There's gonna be trials, trials of our faith. But may it be said that we might be found praising him, honoring him, and glorifying him at his appearing. So I'm going to praise him until he comes. I'm going to honor him until he comes. I'm going to glorify him until he comes. He's worthy of all praise. But you don't know what I've been through, Pastor. He's worthy of all praise. Hallelujah. I stood next to a male nurse on Thursday, and he and I stood there in Sister Sharon's room, and he said to me, 
It's at a time like this that I don't understand Romans 8.28. Preacher, I don't understand Romans 8.28. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And they looked at me and he said, how can this be good? And I said, I'm glad you asked. Because when my father passed away, it wasn't good. I saw no good in it whatsoever. Until about five or six years ago, and I've shared this with you, but it's appropriate for today. Five or six years ago, I had a God moment with him and I was a little upset. And I said, Lord, you know, life's not fair. I said, my wife never got to meet my dad. My daughter never got to meet her grandfather. My son never got to meet my father. And it was almost as if the Lord, it was not an audible voice, but it was as strong as I've ever heard the voice of God in my spirit. He said, we can go back and change it if you want to. But all things work together for good to those who love me. And he said, if we go back and change that, your life takes a different road. And you never meet Barbara. You never have Kristen. And you never meet, you never have Preston. If you want to go change that, we have to change this. You can't put God in a segment of life and declare that that's all there is to God. And I shared that with that nurse and he bowed his head and he said, I'm thankful we had this talk. I said, whatever it is that you're dealing with, that segment that's causing you to say that you really can't believe Romans 8:28, step back, do the will of God and watch God put it all in place. Because I've got news for you. It's not about here and now anyway. It's about eternal life. It's about the gift of God that's going to take us into a new world and we're going to go to the right on the great white throne of judgment with the sheep that hear his voice and we will be with him forever and so shall they ever be with the Lord. So he's got it. He understands it. He knows the end from the beginning. So we have to trust him today. And everybody said amen. The trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, may that trial be met, is what Peter is saying here. May that trial be met with your praise, your honor, and your glory until the appearing of Jesus Christ. I'm going to keep on loving him, praising him, 
believing in him, standing on his word, making my way to heaven. I'm not getting off the narrow road that leads to eternal life to get on a broad road that leads to destruction. I'm staying in the church. I'm staying on fire. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to meet Brother Kells. I'm going to meet these wonderful people that have gone on before us. I'm going to meet them in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. So, I just want to end this service with an altar call in the pews. Right in the pews. I want you to remain seated. They're going to sing. We're going to worship. And then we're going to pray with those around us today. Then at the end, if you want prayer, we'll bring you forward. But initially, we're going to go to heaven together. Turn to your neighbor right next to you and say, come on, go to heaven. Go to heaven with me. Hallelujah. I know that some of you don't. Well, maybe I shouldn't tell it. You know me, I have to tell it now. I was preaching a revival for Kenneth Phillips in Austin, Texas in 1985. And he got 10 billboards. That summer, I preached the entire month of of July on Sundays and Wednesdays. And we had over 100 people receive the Holy Ghost. But prior to that revival, he bought space on 10 different billboards. And he put on the billboard, Austin, Texas, go to, and the first day, they just put the letter H up there. The second day, it was World of Pentecost, 1503 East 51st Street, Austin, Texas, go to H, World of Pentecost, Revival, so on and so forth. The next day, they went out and they said, Austin, Texas, go to H-E. Well, now he's got their attention two days in a row. But the third day, they spelled out heaven. Austin, Texas, go to heaven. From 1503 East 51st Street, the world of Pentecost. Can I tell you right now, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to give you H and E and A and all that. I'm just going to tell you right now, we want you to go to heaven. And you can go to heaven from this place. You can be blessed in this house. You don't have to go to the devil's torment for eternity. You can go to heaven forever from this house. You've got eternal life promised to you right here in this house. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.